Ahoy, mateys, and welcome to another episode of I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast. My name is Captain Eric, and we are continuing our sail through the second season of SpongeBob SquarePants. Let's jump right into it, ladies and gentlemen, this week in Nickelodeon history. Nick, 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 Nickelodeon. Nick, 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 Nickelodeon. Now, this first entry is going to seem a little weird because I, I don't know who to believe. I trust Nickelodeon, but in my research, I can't uh, I can't double check on this. So the other day on the Nick Rewind Instagram, uh, which they will usually post up like this day in Nickelodeon history and important moments and whatnot. But they said uh, on this day in 1995, we met Ed from Good, Good Burger, which was January 28th. 1995. So I was like, "Oh, this is great. We're gonna we're gonna talk about Good Burger here and the history of all that and whatnot." And bam, I go and look to see if I can find the episode. And any of the information I can find is that the episode that aired on January 28th of 1995 does not feature Good Burger. And in fact, at this point in the show, they've already had two Good Burger sketches. Uh, the first one being right in episode two. Uh, and which aired on December 24th, 1994. And the second Good Burger sketch aired on January 14th, 1995. So this is tough. Uh, I don't want to call Nickelodeon a liar or whoever's running the, the Nick Rewind Instagram page. But I mean, we are close. We are we are still past 26 years since we've met uh, Ed from Good Burger um, and of course, I don't want to rob myself of talking about Good Burger because later on in the year, we'll obviously talk about the movie and the debut of, of all that and the debut of Good Burger. Um, but yeah, if just either way, last December was 26 years since we first met Ed. Um, definitely one of the the biggest all that sketch of all time. It's not even one of it is the biggest all that sketch of all time. Um Definitely has a history to to this day. Good Burger is still usually in the top ten watched movies on Netflix. Uh, it resonates that that much with the generation that grew up with it. It's such a just a lovable franchise, a lovable character, a lovable story. I, there's something about it that's magical, and, and it worked on so many levels, which is why eventually they would they would make a movie. But but yeah, 26 years ago, in, in the last month or so, we've we've met Ed. Um, 11 years ago, on January 25th, 2010, Team Umizoomi premiered on Nick Jr., followed by a year later, on January 24th, 2011, Bubble Guppies premiered on Nickelodeon on Nick uh, Nick Jr. Bubble Guppies is still going on. Surprisingly, it's about to hit 100 episodes. It has a fifth season. And last year it was already renewed for a sixth season. So uh, congratulations to the team over at Bubble Guppies. They seem to have captured something. I've I've only seen glimpses of the show a few times. I've never actually sat down and watched it. I know of it, but uh, it was actually shocking to see that it was not only still going on, but uh but up there in the in the episode count. Congratulations, guys. Um, five years ago, on February 1st, 2016, Paradise Run premiered on Nickelodeon and is a reality competition. I have never, never watched this show. It uh, ran for three seasons and 70 episodes, so it looked like it was, it was a fairly popular show. One year ago, on January 24th, 2020, the Crystal Maze debuted on Nickelodeon. Now, The Crystal Maze is a British game show that ran for a couple seasons or a couple series over in the UK, hosted by Richard O'Brien, the uh, brilliant writer of the Rocky Horror Picture Show, and of course, um, was also Riff Raff in the original movie. Uh, this was brought over to America and kind of done as, a, as an adaptation, hosted by Adam Conover, Known uh, known by the show, Adam Ruins Everything over on True TV. And it seemed like a very fun concept. I, I've only seen clips of the show. Uh, it wrapped up its American run in March, uh, March 2020. So only lasted a few months. Um, and I don't know if it's coming back. I haven't seen anything that says it's it's returning, but it doesn't say it's canceled. So it looks like there's more episodes coming to Nickelodeon at some point. But yeah, that that has been uh, this week's this history Nickelodeon a very a very short uh, short segment this time due to the fact that it seemed like a lot of shows did not want to 
uh, premiere or end their episodes in uh, the end of January and and nothing other really big to talk about other than uh, Ed there, which, like I said, like literally right before recording, I was gung ho about that uh, that post on Nick Rewind. And then when I went to go look on the episodes, oh, that just messed me up. But but uh, hopefully one day we'll get to the bottom of this. I mean, it's going to be an ongoing mystery on this show. Which which day did Ed really debut on? A bikini bottom, we pledge our hearts to you, as faithful, as deep, as true, as blue, bikini bottom, we love you. Now, it's been uh, exactly a week since we uh, started doing interviews again for the SpongeBob SquarePants movie Rehydrated that we are uh, partnering with throughout the year, and I've had a ton of nice messages over uh, the conversation I had with Challenger Girl. I really appreciate everybody who reached out and, uh, and, and had some nice things to say. Um, I've also had some nice things said about the new format. Um, now, being a commentary track, sometimes that can be very easy to quickly point out things and, and bring up trivia. Uh, but as I've mentioned before, I always felt that the conversations just kind of um, were, were forced more than being natural. And, and the best thing about a podcast is having a natural conversation and not making it feel forced. So um, I, I, I am not... A hundred percent on this new format. I'm still working on it and still fresh. This is the second time it's it's happened for me. So uh, I, I appreciate everybody with their feedback about uh, both the interview and the new format. And uh, as we go on and continue forward, I would appreciate any more. Uh, this week, though, I'm having a conversation with Star Kingo, uh, an animator on the project. And once again, an another fantastic conversation. Somebody uh, a little bit older who can could reach from the same experiences, the same uh, shows we watched or uh, encountering things at the same time uh, always can make for, for an easier conversation. Uh, but nonetheless, absolutely wonderful time talking to King here. And I hope you enjoy the interview as well. So, so sit back and relax as Star Kingo and I talk about art, Nicktoons, SpongeBob, and of course the episode Imitation Crabs. Now, I've known SpongeBob since the first time there was ever uh, a commercial for the sponge. Uh, what is your very earliest memory of SpongeBob? Like, I know that. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, I was just gonna say like that. That first, that first moment you locked eyes on that on that character. I believe it was a year into the show's running because I was born a year after the show came out. I never got to see like any of the commercials or anything, but I know I saw the additional pilot episode and a couple of the others afterwards. And they always would do like reruns of the episodes a lot. And since we didn't get really that much cable or it was like very rare for us to watch cartoons and things like that. So when SpongeBob would come on, that would be like the main cartoon we'd always watch all the time. And I've been a fan of the SpongeBob pretty much ever since then. Oh, so I mean, you were you were growing up right there with SpongeBob. I mean, you were I'm guessing around like three or four years old when the first movie came out, too. Yeah, and I still love the movie. It's still one of my favorite movies of all time. Well, of course, I would I would hope so, given the uh, the nature of the collab there. Um, but you're you're an artist also on the on the collab. Speaking of which, um, did you find art as as easy as you did like liking SpongeBob as a kid? Were you always into art? It was more of a recent thing. Like a couple years ago, I finally got into art through other fandoms. But I've been recently trying to draw SpongeBob since it's been a big inspiration for me for like art and animation. I just never gotten to try to draw the character before, or I always like I got intimidated by the design because you know he's. They say he's a simple square, but no, he is not. <laughs> I will tell you, as somebody who uh, has been drawing SpongeBob since 1999, um, I I know I have a pretty good SpongeBob that I can pull freehand uh, and people anytime I pull that out it's always a, an amazement for people to see that and I always criticize it I like and see it's not perfect and there's just there's something about it I don't know if I will ever feel like I've made a perfect SpongeBob but there's just intricacies in his design that if you don't get him this exact way it throws the whole thing off yeah, it makes it look weird, but I admire those who can really get close to the style, honestly. It's like, how the heck did you do that? Please teach me. I admire those who can take the style and make different characters uh, that feel like they belong into SpongeBob. That's something I've always I've always looked up to and appreciated, but, but I've never been able to do it myself. 
Um, yeah, I've been, I've been seeing like a couple Twitter artists who have even made their own like characters with the SpongeBob style, and I'm like, man, that looks really awesome. It looks like you could be part of the show. <laughs> so you said recently you got into animation. Did you, um, did you dive headfirst into into digital animation, or did you start maybe um, more traditional like pen and paper? Have you ever tried like um, making like a flip book or anything like that? I've never tried a f- traditional. I'm mostly into the digital animation side, and I've only been do- doing it for like two to three years, and I'm still learning a bit. And I still hope that one day I can do my own like fun little SpongeBob animations just for fun, just because it's a comfort cartoon, honestly. And I just like drawing char- certain characters from certain shows. Like, hey, I'm feeling down. Let's let's draw some SpongeBob, man. <laughs> That's probably uh, speaking like you're absolutely right about SpongeBob being a comfort cartoon. I always have people ask me. They're like, out of out of everything you've ever watched, why why SpongeBob? And I've never been able to really answer that question. Um, but yeah, when I think of just comfort, it's like those classic Nicktoons I grew up with, including SpongeBob. Just always, no matter the worst day in the world, could could not keep me from smiling when some of those characters are on the screen or certain episodes are on. Yeah, especially the earlier seasons. I I will admit that I haven't really kept up with the newer seasons i hear that the current season's getting better but season six through nine really discouraged me honestly i uh yeah same same i i have not had cable for the last uh it'll be six years this this fall and um even before that when i had access to nickelodeon i wasn't keeping track up with newer spongebob because it was almost i don't want to say depressing but there was definitely such a dip in in quality and character writing that just i was like i can't really watch this um, but I've seen clips from a lot of newer episodes, and they've at least made me chuckle, which is a good sign that when I eventually get to those episodes with this podcast, I, I'm sure I'll find something good with them. Yeah, and I hear the original writers are back on, because season six through nine had different writers and animators, and I've seen reviews of the certain episodes, and a lot of them are very concerning, to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've seen some of the worst of the worst. Uh, let's Let's not you know, forget, uh, the splinter and, you know, freeze your face off and episodes that just really make you go like, I I understand new blood and new writers, but do these guys understand SpongeBob? It's like, we don't need cartoon gore. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, how, how has been your, your experience working with the collab? Have you ever worked with a group like this before? Um, uh, or even on a smaller project? Is this, is this completely new territory for you? The only other project that I've been on is the Ed's World Reanimated, but it, that was a much smaller collab because it's like a smaller episode and it's just, you know, it's Ed's World. So this is the first bigger collab that I've been on. And I've been having a pretty good time. At least I've been having trouble with my part doing due to um just that fear of, hey, what if this isn't as good as other people's parts and uh, other IRL things that have been happening as well. But I'm doing my best. And the fact that... <laughs> And the fact that my icon, or no, my art is the actual icon of, like, on the Twitter and on the actual server, it actually makes me very happy. Oh, congratulations on that. I had no Thank clue you. about that. <laughs> Thank you. I, I definitely, I see that, I see your picture of SpongeBob literally every day of my life for the last, like, year or so. Thank you for that. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I, um, look, I don't, you're, and this is coming from somebody who, who does, always self-doubt things uh, this podcast the art i make myself um videos i i'm working on like you're all you're always your worst critic but um the best thing is i think when you can say it's finished and you can stand by it even if you have those moments of like oh, i wish i could have done that differently uh it's people's reactions will always help you uh feel like Wow, I really did a, a fantastic thing here, and I, you're uh, you're definitely gonna get that when this thing drops. Yeah, I hope so. Cause I'm still in the animatic phase. Like I'm almost getting to the rough animation. I just I'm still getting so discouraged. I'm trying my best though. No, keep your head up. I mean, for myself, I work better under pressure. So if I was an animator on this project, I probably wouldn't even start until like two months ahead. Uh, too much ahead of release, I probably would work my best on that because that uh, that forceness, like you have to get this done, tends to tends to give me better work than if I start in the beginning. Yeah, fair enough. And honestly, I'm kind of the same. Where it's like I work better when it's like a closer deadline. Like, oh no, I gotta hurry, man. <laughs> Is there um? I mean, we you would probably want to help reanimate any every SpongeBob project. Is there anything outside of SpongeBob that you would like to that you would like to take a crack at animating or 
uh, trying something. Because I know I've done Ed's World before, but I always want to try that again. And also, if they ever do any, like, Five Nights at Freddy's things, like, if they do, like, any reanimated of, like, any of the games or anything, because that would be really fun, too. Oh, man, Five Nights at Freddy's. I've <laughs> I never played a game until uh, I purchased Help Wanted because it seemed like the most um, accessible on the PlayStation 4. I don't really do a lot of PC gaming. Um, but those first few games I could not get through. Like, the second Foxy is introduced, I can't... It's, like, way too much for me to manage at that moment, and I've never mastered it. Um, but I love the lore of those games. I love all of the game theory videos. Like, that. that's what excites me about that series. Honestly, same. And there's too many characters to even count. Too many Freddies, too many Bonnies. I mean, there's a chocolate Bonnie now? Like, <laughs> yeah, there's, like, this whole... Um, I think on the AR game, they've just added a ton of, like, offbeat characters that are now being made into action figures and toys, and... I honestly, I, as a, as someone, you know, who, who creates things as a creator, um, I'm so excited for Scott and his work to see it reach the heights that it did as a, and hearing his story and all in all, he seems like a really good guy. So anytime I see like a new step in the five nights at Freddy's world, it's like, uh, just congratulations to that guy. Cause, because he's living the life right now. Yeah, honestly. And it's just nice to see that, like, certain creators, like, they start off, like, with these simple ideas, and then it just turns into something bigger than themselves, you know? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, think about that. Like, it's not... Five Nights at Freddy's wasn't this thing created by a company. It was one guy sitting in his house. His his kids were his playtesters, and it just took on a life of its own. I, I, I would like to talk with him and see if this massive story in his head that clearly hasn't been all told yet... Where at the point in this in this game series was was that created? Because there's no way in the beginning he had the ideas that are currently being set up. Yeah, probably not. It probably took to a way longer, especially when the theories started coming around. Oh, of course. And I I I'm, I'd like to know if any of those theories helped guide him in an area where he was like, "Ooh, I wasn't thinking about that, but that is a good idea." The way of getting ideas from others, man. It, it really helps. Uh, SpongeBob being from Nickelodeon, are there any other Nickelodeon shows that you grew up with? Uh, I know you had mentioned that it was a little bit tougher to kind of, um, without cable, to get in touch with a lot of these cartoons. Um, were there any any other shows that you saw at the time or even later on that you started getting attached to? Maybe not on SpongeBob's level, but um, something you, you were also enjoying? Because I know it took me years to get, like, Nickelodeon and Nicktoons. I know, like, older, like, more smaller cartoons, like, um, what was it, El Tigre was a big one. Uh, I know there was one that was on Nicktoons that was completely horrible for a while. Or, no, it had, like, a really low, um, Wild Grinders, if anybody remembers that one. <laughs> I think that's <laughs> that the, Rob, a... the Rob Deerdeck series. Yeah, and I used to love that show, even though despite the fact of me rewatching it, it's absolute garbage, but it's... <laughs> So cartoons like that from Nicktoons, Danny Phantom, and maybe even some Fairly Odd Parents too. Oh, of course. But, uh, but mostly SpongeBob was always on top. I mean, there's a reason why he's he's lasted 20 years. Not many cartoons can uh, can state that claim as well. A lot of them pretty much fizzle out after a few years. Yeah, and SpongeBob's lucky that he has such a great appeal that he's been able to last this long. I it comes. I really think, the, of course, the writing in those first few seasons definitely helped keep him um, popular and keep him, you know, in the in the public uh, lexicon, those quotes. But I think it all boils down to his design is just so inviting, simple, um, and everybody, it's like super recognizable. It's just an, it's just a yellow square. It really is. Yeah. And um, I love that you could, you could draw SpongeBob in every country in the world and kids who wouldn't even know English would be able to point to that and like know exactly who you're talking about. So it's such a recognizable character that he's up there with the best of the best. Like, hey, up with the Marios and Sonics of the world. And even the Simpsons, which I've I've heard uh, a few times now and during this podcast, how um, the Simpsons is like, in other countries, one of the biggest cartoons. Uh, and they're also yellow, too. I think yellow just has something to do with it. It's just an inviting color, I suppose. A powerful, inviting color. A powerful and inviting color. Um, have you had now your experience online you've been i i quickly glanced at your youtube channel and um you certainly have a, a good amount of followers um have you had any videos that you made that you really didn't think too much about but then kind of 
people were really excited about that or have you had uh, any videos that you were really excited about, thought would catch fire and just didn't with uh, with your fan base there? Anything like that happened to you? I know the most recent animation that you can see on my channel, another Ed's World thing, because yes, I mostly do Ed's World stuff. It was one that I really didn't think people would like often that much because I was working on it for basically almost a year on and off. And I was like, oh, this one's not going to be that good. The next one will be better. And then everyone's like, whoa, this is so great. And it's like at 60K now. And I'm like, okay, that's that. I did not expect that. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, uh, I'm going to dive into Ed's world. Uh, you're definitely, you're definitely leaning me towards that cliff of like, nah, just look into it, go watch it. Cause I, I haven't heard much of, of Ed's world, but it like, I'm, I've heard of Ed's world, but I've never seen anything from it. Oh, wait, you haven't? No. Where where should I start? Where would be a good place for people to, to catch into this? Because it's a very popular cartoon series on YouTube. And actually, they're rebooting the series currently. They're actually... They did, like, a short or two, like, a few months ago. It's been, like, years since the, episode, since the actual series has been picked back up. So it's been around since, like, 2009. The original creator is... So, is sadly no longer with us of course but they have like friends and family who are bringing the show back together and it's actually really surprising because i actually didn't anticipate that they would actually do that what? i have some friends who are on the crew or at least i am acquaintances with people on the crew well that's incredible that that even though the uh the creator is 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 gone that they are still able to pick up those pieces and Sounds like, I mean, if you're a fan of this and it seem, seems like you're very positive, I'm, I'm sure a lot of other fans are positive for that as well. Yeah, a good chunk of them, at least. There's a few who are not too excited about it. It's like, yeah, it can get complicated, but at least the majority of them are pretty happy about it. Uh, I mean, with every every single reboot in the world, remake, no matter how good it can be, like, you're always going to have your critics that are like, that shouldn't have been done. But some of them are surprising. Like Sometimes you, you get a remake or a reboot that is so good that yeah, it deserves to be talked about. It deserves to exist. Yeah, unlike that SpongeBob reboot I hear about, or at least that one miniseries they think they're doing. I'm not a huge fan of that because it makes me have a lot of questions. Um, I, I certainly question things too. Now I've, and I think you're talking about Camp Coral. Um, yeah, Camp Coral. Uh, there, there seems to be this perception. Now, if you did, I've done some deep dives into the internet to try to find any pieces of information of things that, that Hillenburg has said, just because I'd like to form my own opinions. I don't, you know, want to just follow the crowd. And if I do, I want to know that it's because of my, my own research. Um, it seems like he definitely didn't want spinoffs just because of it would of the oversaturation. But um, he had to have known it was existing because he was helping out on that third movie where a, where a good chunk of it was a part of Camp Coral. So um, I'm sure he knew that show was going to exist, and and uh, even some have said you know he definitely knew about it and gave it its his blessing. And um, I, I don't wasn't know. aware of that actually. Yeah. I I, I'm not well because right after he passed, and and it, this is the shame part is that they didn't get to announce that show until after he passed, so it just looked bad. It just looked like, oh, he passed away, and now you're you're expanding SpongeBob. And um, I do know that that uh, I, I think even Vincent Waller, who works on the show, came out and said Stephen never wanted spinoffs, always hated this idea. This is and that's where a lot of the anger came from. And um, I definitely think the oversaturation thing is a good point because uh, I don't think you could watch a day of Nickelodeon without watching 100 episodes of Spongebob. Yeah, so adding a spinoff would add more to it. It's more of just the concept itself and just me thinking too hard about the timeline, really. Oh, yeah, I mean, definitely Sandy's, Sandy's inclusion. Now, I always argue that... Do you, do you remember every kid or friend that you had when you're a toddler or where you're young? No. So there is that possibility that Sandy was sent underseas for for a little while and then brought back up and then she went down when she was older um, and her and SpongeBob just don't remember each other. Very big possibility, but we know that's not true because that was never the intention of the show. Um, but yeah, the inclusion of Sandy is definitely weird with uh, with that world. Yeah, it just really bothers me. I'm just a person who's like, hey, let's follow this timeline. And then certain episodes or certain things just knock the timeline out of whack. And it's like, what? I definitely... Now, it would have been weird to have all the main characters and to not have Sandy. So I think what they should have done is just make 
another character that Carolyn Lawrence could have voiced that would have been Sandy-esque, like another underwater creature that would have just been with this group, um, but then not necessarily make it Sandy. Uh, that yeah. still would have been unfair for her not to be able to continue her character, but uh, it, it is what it is. Like, if it if it fails, it fails. If it doesn't, I just add it to the pile of SpongeBob that we that we have, this massive pile of, of entertainment. It's just so much. And also, the only other complaint I have is, like, when I originally watched the third movie, it took, like, they really wanted to sell Camp Coral to us, honestly. Let's just say that. It's for those who haven't seen the movie, there's a good chunk of the movie that just dedicates itself to basically being a promo for the show and I really that really took away from the pace of the movie and confused me despite the rest of the things that confused me in the movie there's just a lot of things in there that confused me I didn't get to like, see it yet I was withholding to try to see it in theaters and I know I could instantly just use a um uh I'm trying to th- a VPN to watch it through Netflix on another uh, in another country but I, I don't know I was trying to wait to see if I could see it on the big screen and I I hope that they're able to try to get it in theaters at some point because I think it deserves to be seen on a bigger screen but if not I'm just going to wait to see it on Paramount Plus the the one thing that does bother me though is that they the name change I think in the movie Camp Coral is spelled with C's but in the show it's spelled with K's like something like that will, will bothers me immensely I don't know why yeah it's just where's the consistency guys they just have no consistency this is Spongebob we don't need that no apparently we don't no not at all um, uh, so you saw the third movie, uh, definitely you would say the weakest of the three? Yeah, most definitely. The animation style is absolutely gorgeous, of course, which is what makes it makes me sad that it's really not good. Does it it's at like... least have some, some good moments or jokes that you, that you can think about? Like if somebody were to say, you know, sponge on the run, you would think about that, that joke immediately? Oh yeah, there's a couple scenes that are pretty... That I would say are pretty solid. It's just a majority of the movie is either slow-paced, confusing, and certain un... how do I say it? Unnecessary cameos that literally add nothing to the plot, and sometimes certain parts of the story just go off the rails or get really confusing. Oh, goodness. I, I hope at least there, there's another chance for, for Spongebob in theaters. Yeah, hopefully there's a better than this one. And also the ending's very anticlimactic. It's just... it's very unsatisfying to me. Oh, that's a bummer to hear. Well, you know, I kind of felt that the um, that the end of of Sponge on the uh, not Sponge on the Run, uh, Sponge out of Water, was really weird. The uh, the rap battle between the um, the dolphin and the and the seagulls, like it just kind of came out of nowhere. It was just like a weird way to end the the movie because they were singing the theme song, which I really liked. I'm like, oh, that's cute. And then it devolved into uh, epic rap battles of history because they got those guys to come in and write it and. I don't know. I was sitting there, like, looking around going, anyone else really like this? No? Like, I forgot they did that in the second movie. They just <laughs> love rap. Because let's just say there's an inco- there's a little bit of rap in the third movie, and it just comes out of nowhere. I, I don't understand it. I, I'll give them credit that for each of these movies, um, they've tried a different kind of animation style, but I I think that the core SpongeBob animation style is so beautiful itself that I was, I was actually happy. I know a lot of people were upset seeing the second movie and how there wasn't a lot having to do with uh, the 3D characters. I was happy that most of the movie was actually 2D animated because it's, to me, it's just so beautiful and expressive. And with that extra budget, they can, um, they can do so much more. Like, it, back to the r- original SpongeBob movie, I love that first shot that you see outside of Squidward's house when you see the three homes on Conch Street. And because of the extra budget, they were actually able to make it look like it was really underwater, like some extra lighting effects. And it's so beautiful. And that kind of stuff, I, I'm just a sucker for it. Yeah, honestly. And that's also why I like the animation of the third movie a lot, is because it, it mixes the animation of Sponge Out of Water, kind of. Because like, there were certain 3D models there, but it like makes it have this 2D kind of clay feel. And it's very expressive as well, more than the actual second one. So it's like it's like 3D cartoon. I don't know how to say it. It's like the, the way I explained it to people who were like, when that first trailer dropped and people were asking for my opinion and saying they thought it was weird, I watched the trailer a few times and I'm like, okay, it looks like the show, like the animation, but with just a 3D overlay. 
Yeah, basically. I can appreciate, because um, it reminds me of a lot of the animation style that uh, Gendy Tartofkoski does over at Sony with the Hotel Transylvania movies, where he goes for the 2D kind of stretch and feel of older cartoons, but they just happen to be 3D. Yeah, and that makes it look more expressive, and it just flows much better, especially the animation of the movies, really smooth all the time, and I just... It's pleasing to look at. It's just the story itself and the movie itself is meh. What um what scene were you able to to secure in uh in the the rehydrated project? Oh, I got the scene um what was it um at the beginning where King Neptune comes into the restaurant and he's talking to SpongeBob. It was SpongeBob trying to ask if he could go find the crown for him. It's a like little section there. Oh, that's that's one of my favorite scenes in the movie. So. Hey, what a coincidence! <laughs> it's just yeah, like I love that scene because it just sets it sets up it sets up SpongeBob as a character for that movie. Like if you were not really that familiar with SpongeBob, I think that whole scene of him coming to work and trashing Mr. Krabs, but then immediately wanting to help him out—it just it's it's a wonderful scene. I'm glad you got that. Yeah, SpongeBob can be mad, but then he can't be mad for too long. He just he cares about his friends and the people he loves too much. That's the character of SpongeBob, and that's why we love him. Uh, so we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about imitation crabs. Magic Conj, will I ever get to meet Tom Kenny? Maybe someday. Oh, so you're saying there's a chance. Okay, okay. Should I tell fans of the show how they can support us? Yes. Goofy Goobers, supporting the show is shockingly easier than catching a blue jellyfish. Right from our anchor page slash SpongePod. You can find links to all of our social media and a support button if you happen to have a few extra clams. Also follow us on twitch.tv slash SpongeBobPodcast where it's not only the official home to our sister show, Video Bob Game Pants, it's also where I stream live drawings of various Nickelodeon characters and host the opportunity for commissions and giveaways. Lastly, the official merchandise store is now open at redbubble.com slash people slash SpongePod where various designs Science will be uploaded inspired by our show, including our official logo, which is now available on a multitude of products like t-shirts, stickers, duvet covers, and even a shower curtain. This is a podcast by a fan for fans and will always be fan-driven. Any way you see fit on supporting our show is much appreciated. Thank you and enjoy. Two thousand years later. And we're back. Uh, so today's episode that we're going to go over is the season two episode, Imitation Crabs. Uh, first aired January 27th, 2001, and is the second part of the 24th episode of SpongeBob SquarePants, being a sister episode to Dying for Pie, which we talked about last week. Uh, it was written by Walt Dorn, Paul Tibbet, and of course our own Mr. Lawrence uh, Plankton himself. Um, this is by far now, and you would agree with this, I'm sure you've seen most of these or all of these original episodes. Season 2 is just a constant home run with every single episode that we're watching here. Oh, I agree. It's one of, one of my favorite seasons, to be honest. And Imitation Crabs is one of my favorite episodes. I, I feel like with this podcast, every for, for the entire of season two, I'm sure the, the listeners have heard me with all these episodes going, they're just getting better and they're getting better. And look at this one. I'm waiting for that first one that I would say ah, is, a, is a misstep. And I, I can't think of which episode that would be because they're all so good. Yeah, it's hard to pick between what seasons one through three because they're all really strong. They are, they are. Because I, I would say even the worst episode out of the first three seasons would, would be something that is still incredibly watchable and incredibly quotable. Yeah, especially, I definitely agree. Uh, the one thing that's notable about this that I want to mention before we dive into the episode, this is actually a, an important episode because it's the first time that we've seen the Krabby Patty secret formula appearing as a, as a piece of paper inside of a bottle, which would then be for the rest of the entire series would be kind of the staple for the for the secret formula. I was unaware of that. How did I not pick that up? <laughs> I was unaware about it either until I started looking. I, I usually will look into like the, the trivia of, of episodes and every time I always find one that just makes me go like, wow, I didn't I didn't ever think about that. Uh, so here we have another classic Plankton episode. Um, Plankton is is one of my favorite villains of all time and it's kind of a it's wonderful to see him fail because at this point it's just like what what could you possibly try next uh, and in this situation we have plankton um creating a giant 
Mr. Krabs robot that looks like Mr. Krabs, but but is very clearly a robot. Um, apparently not to SpongeBob though, who can't see the difference between the two. Um, but before we get there, any any quick like we we have this opening of of Mr. Krabs and and Plankton. Um, any any thoughts here right in the opening of the episode? I almost too many notes to be honest but i just find the comment of hey are you spongebob squarepants hey you want a million dollars what's spongebob gonna do with that money to be honest that's just one (laughs) thing i always think a million dollars with spongebob i would like to think that if mr krabs and squidward found out that spongebob had a million dollars they would probably ask for money um here's the thing i think mr krabs would lie about what he would need the money for, like if it was for a medical expense. Like, Spongebob, I need $500,000 for this really rare surgery. I think Spongebob would give it to him. I think Squidward would would be absolutely honest in what he would want money from. Like, uh, hey, could you, could you buy me this new house away from you? Like, I think Spongebob would do that. I think he would just help out his friends. And once Squidward or Mr. Krabs have their money... Um, I, I'd like to think that he would he would give something to to Sandy and and even Patrick. I, I think he would just give out all of his money. I don't think yeah, money is a is a matter to him. Yeah, he doesn't. Too, he doesn't. He can't take their money. Grailing is his passion. <laughs> <laughs> well, he practically works for nothing anyway, so it does work out. Yeah, I mean, he wonders how he pays rent. Oh wait, he lives in a pineapple. Well, oh, he, one that was like clearly just created from the ground so he he probably didn't have to really pay anything for that space and and maybe patrick too that's probably the annoying part for squidward is he he lived in this this nice easter easter egg home easter island egg and no one was living next to him and all of a sudden one day there was this pineapple that grew out of the ground and then somehow a rock came there and now he has these two annoying neighbors i'd like to think that's what happened he just has. He's been paying for this house, living here nice and peacefully. Oh no! Now he's got two annoying neighbors who won't leave him alone. So a lot of the humor from this episode. So as we mentioned, Plankton tries to get the Krabby Patty secret formula uh, through the means of a robot. Tries to get the Krabby Patty. Um, of course, that robot doesn't work. But Plankton decides, well, that robot body doesn't work. I'm going to try a different robot body, and comes in with this Mr. Krabs robot. Uh, a lot of the humor of this episode comes from the fact that um, Mr. Krabs and the robot Krabs are kind of coming in and leaving at the same time, and it really confusing SpongeBob. Um, like Mr. Krabs asking SpongeBob. Uh, to go to the back room for something, but then imitation crabs just coming out of nowhere, then asking SpongeBob to do something else, right when the real Mr. Krabs comes in. And for a, a good chunk of the episode, you get this back and forth, really, until uh, uh, both uh, Mr. Krabs and the robot crabs are then kind of pitted up against each other, in which SpongeBob ultimately chooses wrong. With, <laughs> without even really knowing. Um, but kudos to Plankton also. I got a... <laughs> To give him credit, he knows a severe amount of information about Mr. Krabs. Oh, yeah, he does. And also, that's also a note that, one, why didn't Plankton take into account that Mr. Krabs would be a factor? Like, how long did he think that it would take to get the formula out of SpongeBob? Like, it probably would take a while for him to convince him, right? And probably a while to, like, get it written down, right? I don't think, I don't think he thought that the that the amount of hoops he would have to jump through to get the secret formula would be, I mean, kudos to him. He seemingly does everything that SpongeBob asks. Um, but I, I look at this, even the, uh, the handshake routine is um, sing the national anthem of bikini bottom while standing on one leg and balancing a glass of chocolate milk on the head. Number two, eat 105 black licorice jelly beans through a straw, which by the way, Every time, now according to this episode, Spongebob and Mr. Krabs have to do this secret handshake every time they talk about the secret formula. Um, it's just bizarre to me that they have to do it every single time. <laughs> 105 black licorice jelly beans. Um, launch yourself out of a cannon into a chair sitting down. Eat a plate of spaghetti and meatballs, then sing a weird rhyme consisting of ravioli and the Great Barrier Reef. That is, that is a massive handshake, which um, I think that whole... Uh, uh, ravioli part that whole rhyme has just been seared in my brain and anytime I think of this episode I can't get it out 
is ravioli, ravioli, give me the formula. <laughs> Um, another part of this episode, it reuses live-action footage of a, of a burger from Plankton, the episode Plankton. Um, this time, though, it's just kind of the shot of the burger. It's not actually being made as it does show in that episode. Um, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, crazy, crazy little one-off things that they have there. Um, so uh, this episode does reveal us what the Bikini Bottom National Anthem is, which is something I wish they would have revisited at least one point in the show. Unless they have, and it's from an episode I haven't seen, but it's the only time I've ever heard the National Anthem. Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard it again, actually. That would be nice to see again. Um, I, I really liked... Th- this probably might be one of my... F- one of, if not my favorite Plankton episodes, because um, I, the, as I've mentioned before, the the lengths that Plankton is willing to go through just to get the secret formula is, I gotta give him credit, like, even though he is evil and he's in the wrong and he's trying to steal, the the amount of effort just for that one steal is, is I, you gotta give him a hand. Like, at some point, I think most people would, would tap out trying to get the secret formula, but... Plankton seemingly doesn't want to try to create better food. He just wants to steal from Mr. Krabs. He's just so determined. And also a note that in this episode, it really shows the type of... The, like it's the way SpongeBob's intelligence works. Like, certain episodes, he's way too anxious, and every small little thing, he notices everything, and he's super anxious and paranoid, like in Crabborg. Like, he was just super attentive and anxious about everything, and then certain episodes, he just has zero brain cells, and he just doesn't notice anything. He's so blissfully unaware. It's the dynamic of SpongeBob. Sometimes he has a brain cell and sometimes he doesn't. Well, speaking of Crabboard too, he he was able to convince Squidward of his of his uh, paranoia, which you would think Squidward would be the one to just completely shut out SpongeBob, but you know, he came in at the right time, gave Squidward the right information that made Mr. Krabs look really terrible in a lot of weird, awkward ways. Uh, those just like one-off moments. Um, he, got spun- he got Squidward to call the Navy, even though the Navy is now apparently being run by the robots, as SpongeBob says. <laughs> I still love that. <laughs> it's like they got the Navy, guys. Uh, when uh, so there is a the the climax of this episode comes down to Mr. Krabs and and uh, the robot crabs being caught in the same room by SpongeBob, going through a complete gauntlet of of information. Uh, trivia about Mr. Krabs' life with apparently the original Mr. Krabs not knowing um, the last question here that causes him then to then be pushed out with a with a, a container of fries just out into the ocean just for apparently somebody with an incredibly long reach <laughs> coming <laughs> down to the ocean <laughs> trying to eat Mr. Krabs. Um, during this though, oh, what were you going to say? At least now we know that on Wednesdays, the Krabby Patty is 99 cents. Yeah, which is incredibly cheap. I feel like with how many people seem obsessed with the Krabby Patty, that it would at least be like a $5 burger. Yeah, but that's pretty cheap, even for Mr. Krabs, honestly. Yeah, he has some very cheap... um, Getting through the first season, I completely forgot about a few moments uh, in the show that really showed that... Um, yes, he he is a businessman, but he wasn't as greedy as he would eventually become in the show. Uh, I mean, he had the whole free salad bar in um, uh, in Culture Shock, which was like when I when that show opened and I was watching it again for this sh- uh, this uh, podcast. I would like I knew it existed. I knew that there was a salad bar in this episode, but just sitting back and thinking, wow, a, f- a free salad bar? That's a Mr. Krabs idea. Same guy who said that $101 for a Krabby Patty with cheese. Hey, look, if if the king if the king of the ocean was coming to my restaurant, I would try to bump the prices up a little bit. Although that was an incredible amount. I don't think King Neptune would have ever fallen for that. Unless he was really done, which probably not. Um, so we have uh, uh, the the whole end of this is is basically a penny on the ground that Mr. Krabs was apparently chasing throughout the show. One of my favorite jokes is when the penny is rolling on the ground, um, and it was a way of Plankton to to get Mr. Krabs out of the room. Mr. Krabs starts catcalling the penny as if he was a construction worker and there was a woman walking by on the sidewalk. It, it just makes me laugh. Like, catcalling, of course, in 2021, definitely not acceptable in society. But, hey, if you want to catcall a penny... 
and you want to be complimentary to a penny rolling on the ground, by all means, go ahead and do it. It's hilarious. Hey, don't change what you do. <laughs> oh, I like it. I appreciate a good pun. Um, so, yeah, the, the, uh, SpongeBob ends up finding the penny, who gives it to Mr. Krabs uh, in his coin slot, which happens to be the Krabs robot. Um, Plankton seemingly adding a self-destruct, a coin-operated self-destruct mechanism on this robot, uh, which says it's going to explode in 10 seconds, but if you actually count, it explodes, I believe, at 12 seconds. Wait, really? Yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to see it, because it always felt like it went a little bit longer when the actual explosion happens. Um, Apparently, though, if you pay attention to the storage room, I think this is also the first episode that we really see the the storage room of the Krusty Krab. I don't think we've ever gone in that room before. Um, but yeah, apparently apparently in this room, he has, uh, Mr. Krabs has chum sauce. I never noticed that. Which seems incredibly weird because I, a chum in general is obviously just kind of fish guts. Which is and you, the, don't want, yeah, you don't want that in your sauce. Yeah, you don't want that in sauce. And I don't know why he even has that there. I mean, I, if I could come up with any excuse for Mr. Krabs in this situation. I would like to think that he has chum sauce just in the slight chance that the sea dwellers of Bikini Bottom become obsessed with the chum bucket. So that that's kind of like an emergency tactic where, like, oh, they're eating at the chum bucket? Alright, we have chum sauce and Krabby Patties now. Yeah, or even worse, that the, the chum sauce he steals from Plankton to put into the Krabby Patties. That would be a super big 180. Absolutely. Uh, this episode also, SpongeBob mentions that uh, the duplication of the formula is punishable by law, and that basically the Krabby Patty secret formula is patented, which legally means, and, and I don't know if they meant this, I, I believe that you could look up any patent in the United States, so if it is patented, that means that it should be uh, a public to be able to find out what the secret formula is. See, things like that I never even thought of. Because I like, I've thought about the punishable by, by law being like, hey, Plankton's actually breaking the law, but we already knew that. But I didn't think about actually it being patented. Yeah, I think that's just, I, I really think that that's not true. I think it's misdirection. Um, because if it's a secret, I think Mr. Krabs tells SpongeBob these things to to just like keep spongebob on guard like spongebob just so you know that this this formula is patented and if anybody copies it it's punishable by law like don't make a copy of it and i think then spongebob takes that information and runs with it just like i will tell no one and do you ever think that squidward knows the secret formula um i i kind of like now this yes and no um i don't think there is a secret formula i think the fact that so many people have mentioned the quote-unquote secret formula, I like to give Binging with Babish's idea of the secret formula a go where it's just, um, it's a it's a marketing thing. It's just, you're telling people there's a secret formula in there and you're getting them obsessed with this when there really isn't. I think it's just a regular burger that doesn't have anything extra to it. I actually think I saw a film theory about that, actually, that it was like, there's no real secret formula. Yeah, I kind of, it brought me back to the, if you've ever seen Kung Fu Panda, um, when uh, Poe's dad tells him, like, you know what the secret ingredient in my soup is? It's it's nothing. Like, there's, there's nothing in there. I just tell people there's a secret ingredient, because it kind of keeps them coming. Yeah, you gotta keep them coming with something. It's like, hmm, how do I sell this very mediocre burger? Hey, I say it's there's a secret formula. Yeah, you mentioned that. I mean, we never see SpongeBob, like, we never see the meat. I mean, we've seen boxes of patties, but we've never seen him add anything to those patties. So, um, I mean, even going back to the very first episode of the show, SpongeBob goes right into the into the kitchen, dives right into a box, and starts shooting patties right out of his eyes so i don't think there's anything secret in there and mr krabs is 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 a businessman he's not going to want to spend extra money on uh on some secret ingredient yeah and it's like when you go when you see the packets of patties it's like brown beef or something like it's already prepared you just put it in a patty and how is spongebob able to just go in there and bake patties when he hasn't even worked there before as well he's been practicing every day 
But that yeah. you brought up another point. That's another question I've always thought about the show. Like what, the, as far as the the meat in these patties, like what what is in them? Is it is it cow patties that they're getting? from the oversea is it another kind of meat from an undersea creature that's that to me is a more compelling question than whatever the secret formula is yeah because i think i've seen some theories where it's like different like dead fish or the things like that where that would be cannibalism <laughs> well i mean hey fish have to eat underwater they all have their own you know their ecosystem what are they what are they willing to eat if there's nothing else around i have no idea uh, the fact that he gets them shipped i i'd like i like to think that they're exotic like if people are obsessed this much over the Krabby Patty it's got to be something that they've never tasted before and that makes me think about a later episode I forgot what later season it is there's like because it's possible for different types of food to hit Bikini Bottom that are actually toxic because like there was that one restaurant that came with like these drinks that everyone was loving and they turned out to be like some sort of toxic sludge no I think it was the shake one I think yeah Yeah, I think it was like a green shake yeah, so it's not out of the question that they would use illegal practices to sell their food or sell different types of toxic food that they just haven't picked up yet because everyone loves it. Yeah, for the amount of money that, that Mr. Krabs has, I, I can I can definitely see him cutting corners to try to get some cheap meat underwater uh, to sell it to sell at his restaurant. Um, yeah, no for... one really checks at it. I don't th- I just can't I don't think it's any undersea creature I really think it's like the fact that so many people are obsessed or even like Squidward having never had a Krabby Patty before it's got to be a meat that they've just they don't have access to so I feel like it is it's just got to be cow beef like that's just got to be a thing yeah, because the only people who don't like Krabby Patties have never tasted one. And because we haven't tasted one because we don't have this type of meat. Oh, hey, look, we may have had we may have had Krabby Patties this whole time. If it is cow beef, we have access to the Krabby Patty without even knowing it. Just one day there's a SpongeBob restaurant that opens up. Everyone's going to buy a Krabby Patty. It's just like, we must know what it tastes like. Well, I've seen there's some restaurant, I think it's in Indonesia. There's some somewhere in the world that somebody built basically a crusty crab um it, it's as good as you c- probably could do on your own but i've always thought that universal studios it, they do these wonderful that's my probably the thing that excites me about theme parks is when they kind of immerse you into the world like if you go down to universal and you go to hogwarts and the harry potter area it makes you feel like you're in the movies and they have a simpsons area that is practically the same but right next to the simpsons area they have a, a spongebob square store and it's massive, and I've always thought, why are these people not building a replica-size crusty crab and just selling Krabby Patties, which are just burgers? Like, I, I, I would pay a lot of money to go down there and go eat at the crusty crab and have, quote unquote, a Krabby Patty. Honestly, I would too. Just kelp shake, kelp fries, just the whole nine yards. Yeah, just make sure the people. Uh, if I ask for salt at the at the front counter, just just have them tell me no, and and have them tell me no again if I ask them to check. <laughs> Can we have salt all around us? This is the sea. <laughs> all the food is salty. You don't need anything extra. Uh, well, before we, uh, I do I do want to thank you again for being on the show. Uh, I really appreciate it from one SpongeBob fan to another. Uh, before we go, though, do you have any uh, social media um, accounts that you'd like the fans, the listeners, to kind of check your stuff out on? I know we already mentioned your uh, YouTube channel, and, and we're going to have all the links down in the episode description. But uh, anything you'd like people to specifically know or uh, catch your stuff at? Oh, of course, because I know I'm mostly active on Twitter uh, at StarKingo2468, uh, to StarKingo on YouTube, and I also have an Instagram, StarKingo. I mostly just reside there. I used to have a DeviantArt, but I fortunately don't anymore. But yeah, if you want to check me out, you can go to my YouTube, Twitter, or Instagram. And thank you for having me on, man. Oh, no problem, King. Thank you for coming on, and I am sure we will have you on a future episode. Thank you. Thank you so much. Mail time. And that sound means it's time for the snail mailbag. If you would like to write into the snail mailbag, you can. You can email me at snailmail at euphonics.com, U-F-O-N-Y-X 
Com. Send me your questions, your comments, your concerns, or your anecdotes. I would love to hear them. Uh, this one is a bit of a refreshing question. Uh, it actually challenges me a little bit on things I've said in the past on the show, and, and I actually like the chance to elaborate. Uh, this is from Lauren from the Boston area. Eric, I've been listening to your show now for a few months, and I've noticed that you don't have very kind things to say about current Nickelodeon. I've also noticed a few times you've mentioned that you don't currently have cable. How could you have such a negative view of today's Nick when you don't watch it? Now, that certainly is an incredible question. Um, and when I first got that, I was I was a little taken aback. But then I realized, yeah, maybe I was a bit hard on current Nickelodeon. And no, I don't currently watch it. But I guess my negativity stems from the lineup of Nicktoons that at some point Nickelodeon stopped giving their full attention and full effort on, in my opinion. Um, I, I feel like I can track this back to Cat Scratch, which, if you start looking, was was really the first Nicktoon to be canceled a bit earlier than expected, um, but unlike Invader Zim, didn't have a massive fan base. It was just kind of came and went. Um and when I went through the list and going through, there were some shows I was shocked that still had a pretty high episode count compared to earlier Nicktoons. Uh, shows like Sanjay and Craig had a, had a lot of episodes I was unaware of. And, and even Fanboy and Chum Chum had a, had a decent amount. But it felt at some point that instead of sticking behind these cartoons as hard as they did in the 90s and in the early 2000s, they would come. It would air for like one season on Nickelodeon get buried in ratings to Spongebob, which was on the air all the time, and then it would get moved over to Nicktoons Network. It was kind of like a death sentence for all Nicktoons. Uh, and as far as I know, the only the only Nicktoon to really survive on the air besides Spongebob has been The Loud House. So um, not that these other shows have to have 100 episodes, have to have a movie, have to do anything like that, but um, a show like Harvey Beaks, was that given its, its due credit on Nickelodeon before it was moved over to Nicktoons Network. I I don't know. I wasn't I wasn't watching. So seeing all these shows treated like that and seeing the Nicktoons brand not not be as as sacred as it once was. Like being a Nicktoon was, in my opinion, being a Nicktoon was a big deal. Having a Nicktoon was a big deal, and I just feel at some point Nickelodeon. Um, not not was treating it the way that they they should have uh, as far as their live action ventures go i of course have not been watching any live action shows on nickelodeon since uh, iCarly was on but you know henry danger has still been fairly popular the thundermans was fairly popular uh they're currently having danger force on there so um it, it's not it's not to be negative on current nickelodeon but hey when uh when it's actual news that there's going to be a single day that Nickelodeon doesn't air an episode of SpongeBob and it's the first time in 14 years. Like when that's newsworthy to me, that's a problem. Um, I've, I've been in situations over the last five years where I've had access to cable and Nickelodeon is just all SpongeBob. Like 90% of it is SpongeBob and the other, you know, like 5% is Loud House and, and live action shows 5% each, of course, of course, with time, everything changes. The, the, the channel is not going to feel the same uh, 10 years from now than it does right now. And, and even 20 years from now, like things are going to change. If you currently watch Nickelodeon Live and you enjoy everything you watch or mostly everything you watch, I'm happy for you. I generally am. Um, I would like to think that some of those shows would still offer some sort of uh, entertainment for me if I were if I were watching them for I gave them a chance uh, if I ever get to watching other shows you know shows like Breadwinners and Harvey Beaks didn't didn't get to catch on on television but um, being so close to animation you'd you'd hear the news oh it it aired 15 episodes and then it's moving over to Nicktoons Network which is a little extreme usually they at least get through one season on Nickelodeon before getting moved over but uh but yeah completely no disrespect um that that's that's basically where my uh, where my points kind of went came from uh, when it comes to current Nickelodeon. Um, but I appreciate the question. Uh, thank you, thank you very much, Lauren, for uh, sending that in. And uh, that is this week for the Squarecast. Once again, if you would like to write in, uh, snail mail at euphonics.com, U F O N Y X. 
Squarecast.com. Uh, and we will catch you next time right here on I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast. Listen to him, SpongeBob. Remember, ravioli, ravioli, give me the formuoli. I'm ready! Magic Conj, will I ever get to meet Tom Kenny? Maybe someday. Oh, so you're saying there's a chance. Okay, okay. Should I tell fans of the show how they can support us? Yes. Goofy Goobers, supporting the show is shockingly easier than catching a blue jellyfish. Right from our Anchor page, anchor.fm slash spongepod, you can find links to all of our social media and a support button if you happen to have a few extra clams. Also follow us on twitch.tv slash spongebobpodcast, where it's not only the official home to our sister show, Video Bob Game Pants, it's also where I stream live drawings of various Nickelodeon characters and host the opportunity for commissions and giveaways. Lastly, the official merchandise store is now open at redbubble.com slash people slash spongepod, where various designs will be uploaded in Inspired by our show, including our official logo, which is now available on a multitude of products like t-shirts, stickers, duvet covers, and even a shower curtain. This is a podcast by a fan for fans and will always be fan-driven. Any way you see fit on supporting our show is much appreciated. Thank you and enjoy.